This is particularly the interview that you did with this lady. Yes. Okay. It was real name. I don't even, I still don't know. She never told me. And it's not she apparent. She never told you her real name either. She never told me her real name. Her, she explained that T-A-I-B mm. is short for T-A-I-B-S-C-H-E. Which, as she said, I think if, if I remember, she said it's Irish. Taish. Yeah, exactly. Taish. How did you know that? Taish. Yeah, that's what she mm. said. Well, I, I can't do what you did. I, I, I don't know how to translate from Greco-Roman alphabet or whatever the alphabet we're using to... <laughs> to Irish because it doesn't seem to make any sense it's just... no it doesn't a lot of the words are really strange the naming anyway I mean yeah. they sound alright when you hear them mm. but when you spell it it's like wow how did you get yeah. to that I don't know the T-Shock for instance mm. uh, the, prime, the equivalent of their prime minister I believe yeah that's how do you spell that you know T-O-I-S-H it's really bizarre T-O-I-S-E-A-C-H yeah. Or something, T shock. And you know, that's mm. not how you, that doesn't spell T shock, baby. You know, anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> so, anyway, that's one of the things when she said something about, about why it's a foundling. And I think it's you, you, you yourself know that it's, mm. well, what do you, let me not put words into your mouth. Okay. Did you, what did you think? Well, I don't want to be this disingenuous to the young lady clearly she went through something however i'm not it doesn't convinced. sound like a young lady was the first thing i want to say um okay. i mean her picture the image is using her image i'm not sure about that image i don't know that's her don't yeah know exactly it, it, it but is somebody it, else well it tallies with all the other photos on her facebook page okay. so i did actually also use that particular image because it offers some degree of privacy i think hmm. it's being colorized and in in other words it's been it's been although although looking at that image it could be deemed quite provocative and it's only sort of zoomed in so i did you, the zooming in oh okay it just looks it looks slightly provocative, the picture, but you've done well to... Well, the, the picture first off, it just looks a little bit provocative. What I've does seen, that mean, provocative? What that means is that that is a sort of picture that looks as if I'm about to enter a... a can I say on air? A pornographic site. Well, that's, that's not that the that's like. that's a little unfair to her because no, 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 I'm not pointing it in that that's the colouring, yeah, the colouring, okay, and the colouring and everything. There's actually an image like that, and the colorized image that I used, and but there's just a pure image, right? So I chose the colorized image. So I'm the one who chose that image. What was your reasoning behind this? Did she say you should, or you chose? No, to I chose it myself. I chose it myself. Okay. I just thought it'd be, you know, attractive on a thumbnail, hmm. and because maybe because I I saw the original, I didn't associate it with that because the original is actually her in what looks like her bedroom, 
on the floor, leaning forward, but more in a spiritual sense than anything. Right. So there's nothing hanky-panky about it. And I guess I'm, I was looking at it with that knowledge that there was nothing yes, hanky-panky at it. You, you, you had that already. So mm. Whereas I've not seen her, not seen anything about her seeing that image as is. It looked a bit provocative to me. Right. Maybe obviously that was my misinterpretation. But just on first glance, mm. that looked a little bit, oh, okay. But anyway, that aside, the interview itself, I mean, like like I said already, it looks like she may have gone through something clearly, and I'm not changing that, that she did experience what she experienced. However, assigning it to a poltergeist is, to me, a big leap. The first thing she said was when she was playing with the dog at four years old. Hmm. Let's be honest, how many of us at that age, unless it's documented at that age on a recording, so we hear exactly what's been said, how many of us can go back with 100% confidence that we remember what we did at four years old and can say so with 100% confidence? I can. Okay. I I threw a stone at a passing car. This, we had we had a low wall by our house. It was it was low, I think, because I was four years old. Okay, so you're I struggling now on on the size of the wall, but okay. No, no, well, yeah, but that wasn't the important thing. The important thing was that it was a wall. So I had this idea of lying down so I couldn't be seen mm-hmm. by passing cars. And when I heard a car coming, I lay down and I threw a stone at the car, mm-hmm. thinking I was very clever. Yep. Only a few moments later to be looking at the furious, into the furious face of what seemed to me at the time to be a giant white man. This was in Lagos, Nigeria, by the way. Okay. Looked to me like a furious face of a of a giant white man who was screaming. Um, my parents came r- rushing out to find out what had happened mm-hmm. to discover that I had actually cracked his windscreen. Okay. And I got a hiding. So it's not the kind of thing I'd forget. Mm. <laughs> and I'm saying, I, I know it's how old I was because I we left that house soon after and we moved somewhere else. And when I was record, recounting this story to my parents, and they said, oh, yes, you'd have been about four years old, and that's the house at uh, Palm, Palm Grove Estate for those okay. people who know Lagos well. Okay. So, you see, it's possible. That she uh, could have been genuinely remembering and recounting. She could have been genuinely. If something that she'd have repeated, and, and that kind of thing, I'm sure, would have been repeated more than once. But the thing is, the thing is, like you and I know, when you tell a story you retell a story, you sometimes unconsciously add to it and make it sound better each time it's told. And you may not be consciously doing that in order to, you know, make the story sound better, but you sometimes do because you're trying to improve on the story. You're trying to make 
the instances sound that more elaborate, that more engaging. And the story can evolve over a period of time. Mm. It's the same with the story that everybody knows about the um, the one that Mel Gibson starred in. Where Braveheart. he's Braveheart, where, you know, he 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 played the part of um, gosh, and I can't remember his name. Wallace. Wallace, William Wallace. And it started out where there were some truths in in the story, and then there were bolt-ons to the story <laughs> which weren't truthful. And this could be, I'm not saying it is. Let me stress that. This could be, because humans by and large are terrible at recollecting past experiences. That's why the police don't always rely on single witnesses to recount a story. If there's multiple witnesses recounting a similar story, then they can take it as factual. But when one person recounts the story, like in this case, the person you interviewed, if you had any other family member that can corroborate the story, then absolutely correct. But it's only yeah. her story. Yeah, that's why I was asking. That is why I asked her later on if her parents were still alive. You you heard that in, in the Yes, interview. I did. Yes, I did. Because I'd have liked to have spoken to the parents to ask them independently what they remembered. Mm. But that's not possible now. No, which is a shame. As matter of fact, I think when it comes to corroborating evidence, we have to be honest about it. There isn't any. Mm. Also, this thing that she was saying when she was delivering pizzas and the car was locking. She attributed that to a spirit in the car. Mm. That, let's be honest, that's more likely, A, to have been a feature of the car, perhaps, that does this, because there are many cars that do that. And, and she wasn't even able to say the make and model of the car, which, again, adds ambiguity. If she'd been more specific, we could at least have ruled that out. Gone to the I've looked it up. I asked. That is why I wanted to know what's the make and model and year. Indeed. So that I could have looked it up to see if it was a feature of the car. Indeed. Because there were cars that did that, particularly Toyotas. They used to do that. You know, they've done that for many years now. So you step away from the car and it will lock itself if it's not been started. I mean, most modern cars do that now, but Toyota. No, she said really the she left the car running, which I think was incredibly dangerous and surprised. No one drove away with it, but <sighs> maybe she lives in a quiet part of her state of Pasadena. I have no idea. Mm. But the, the other thing I wanted to know is, okay, if, if this has happened to you, you were locked out, and you called, I think, the equivalent of the AA, which is yeah, the roadside States. service, Yeah. what did they say about it? Exactly. But I didn't really get a... I didn't feel I got a clear answer there. No. See, to me... To me, that as well would not have corroborated the st- you know, it would have corroborated the story had the the um the car auto shop or whatever they call them that come and repair the car would have said, This is really strange. Mm. But did any of them say, Oh, it's just a mechanical fault? That's more likely than there being a, a spirit possessing the car, wouldn't you say? So to me, that itself. All that did, that story, the car story, actually undermined the previous story of the dog Mm. because that, to me, highlighted somebody who was associating spirits to mundane things which have a more 
plausible explanation than attributing it to a spirit. Now, I'm not again, I'm not dismissing anyone that has these stories as well, because we'd love to hear them on the TNT talk show, as you know. But well, I would have I would have had if the situation were reversed, I would have put that down. The, the reason, her reasoning for saying it was a spirit, because she had already mentioned that she had a spirit daughter, which I got a, a bit confused at that point. I thought mm. poltergeists were genuine, generally unknown. I mean, the identity of a poltergeist, I've, I've never heard before that it was these poltergeists are known. No, They're just mischievous know. spirits and, mm. and they behave mischievously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this one that's, I don't know why she called it her spirit daughter which again makes me wonder just how old she really is because I don't associate that kind of statement with somebody who's in their, in their 20s, which is what she appears to be from her, her pictures. Mm-hmm. I'd have associated, associated that with somebody far older, in the 40s maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I did ask about other family. and whether. So I, I just got a bit confused at that point. Okay. Also, you did you did go on to say that the actual interview was far longer than what you actually published. Hmm. So, was it because she was? Did I mean? Obviously, I I I wasn't there when you actually did the interview. But did she come across as thinking on the spot, or was this just? Did it just flow? In other words, when you asked the questions, it flowed. It sounded like it didn't. And it, she was trying to make the story up as you were interviewing her, as opposed to being clear with a memory and being able to read it off quite comfortably without pausing, uh, um, uh, this sort of stuff. You know, you, you... huge numbers of ums and ahs and a lot of space between mm. them. But I'm not sure I put that down. It's amazing how we, these things depend on your perspective. I didn't put that down to her trying to remember or make up a story. I had a lot of difficulty keeping her on track. Mm. So when I asked the question, I it was really hard to get back the answer to the question I had asked because she tended to just go off on a tangent, mm. uh, unrelated cha- tangent, and I didn't want to appear rude. Uh, or to interrupt her and to bring up, I mean, I, in the, eventually I'd, I'd have to come back and say, okay, let's get back to what I was saying before. So yeah. I did handle her with kid gloves, but uh, which is why I, I ascribe it not so much to trying to make up a story because I, I maybe she did or she didn't. I don't know, but I don't, I don't know. I just put it down to the way she interacts with people. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm, I'm in this instance, I'm putting my listener hat on and mm. viewing the interview from a distance. And, and obviously I have these questions. I'm able to obviously air them because you're my TNT show co-host. Yes. But the, you know, because I wasn't there on this particular interview, it just seemed a bit on her part. It was lacking in substance. It, it She may have had a story to tell, but it didn't convince me. I would have been, I would have got more from her if she was more passionate about it and more determined that it happened, that she she had an unwavering belief even 
that mm-hmm. that is what happened to me. There is one thing I must say on her behalf. Go on. I find myself defending her quite a bit, maybe more than is warranted by my thoughts on the subject, my feelings on the subject. But I have to say that she lives in Pasadena and the interview took place at 10 a.m. UK time, Mm -hmm. which I believe is 3 a.m. Pasadena time. Oh, why did she agree to that? I did offer different times. But she said she was a night owl anyway and she was perfectly happy. I offered different time slots and, you know, that would have put her in the early morning, nine o'clock, 10 10 o'clock in the morning, later on. Wow. So she actually chose that time slot. Yes, because it kind of happened and she she said she's perfectly happy. She was responding to me Hmm. around that time of the day in the UK. Our chats, because we chatted a bit beforehand Mm -hmm. to set up the meeting. And I looked at that period of time and I said, well, if she's happy to be chatting to me around 10 a.m., let's hold our first interview at 10 10 a.m. Wow. But I said, but, you know, really, you you do seem to be doing this in the middle of the night. And she was like, yeah, I'm a night owl. It's fine. Wow. Okay. So maybe she was... Well, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm not my best at 3 a.m., to be honest, usually. No, I, I wouldn't say that I am too, so I'm a good surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having my Z's big time at that time of night. <laughs> anyway, so they, uh, your overall impression is, sum it up for us. Um, heart's in the right place, but unfortunately for me, it didn't convince me that she genuinely was a poltergeist victim. So that, that's my summary, really. I, I I think had she been more passionate and she would be more definite in her her story, it just seemed a little the overall the overall interview seemed a little wishy-washy as far as I was concerned. That, so that's just my opinion. Excellent. 